you want to grab your Bibles and be making your way to the book of Psalm, right smack in the middle, pretty much, of your Bibles is the book of Psalms, and we're going to be in chapter 56 specifically tonight, but as you're going there, I'm going to preference our passage in Psalm 56 with a passage out of 1 Samuel chapter 21, and I want us to go ahead and get right into the text tonight. So you don't have to turn to 1 Samuel 21, but I'm going to preface our text tonight with this passage that says in 1 Samuel chapter 21, starting in verse 10, and David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him and dances? Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And so he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the doors of the gate and let his spittle run down his beard. And then Achish said to his servants, Behold, you see the man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? Do I like madmen that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? So David has previously been anointed as the next king over Israel to replace the current king, which at that time was Saul. And this is obviously much to Saul's disliking. And so he begins trying to prevent David from taking over the throne. And the best way that he knows how to prevent that is by taking David off the face of the earth, literally by striking him down. And so when we catch up to David here in 1 Samuel, he's on the run. And in desperation, he flees into enemy territory in an attempt to escape and hide from Saul, but his cover gets blown. The Philistines figure out that it's David. He did, after all, strike down their main warrior, whose name was Goliath. And so once they figure out that it's David, and David realizes that his cover has been blown, he begins to act crazy, literally just banging his head against the wall, clawing at the doors, making scratches against them, foaming at the mouth to try and make them realize, who in the world is this guy? Even if this is David, he's crazy. He's not in his right mind. And so in that ploy, God actually grants him grace to escape the clutches of the enemy that he had found himself in the midst of. And so as he flees from their presence, now he's been running from Saul. In that desperation, he ran into enemy territory, which could have gotten him killed once they figured out who he actually was. God grants him grace to actually escape from their grasp as well. And then later on, David writes Psalm 56 as a response and a reflection to the occasion that we just saw in 1 Samuel. So listen to Psalm chapter 56. David writes, Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps as they have waited for my life. For their crime will they escape. In wrath, cast down the peoples, O God. You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. 
In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. I remember a while back, there was this trend going on where someone would walk up to some random person and most of the time unexpectedly slide up beside them, randomly yell, trust fall, and then fall over onto them expecting them to catch them. Y'all familiar with this trend? You've seen people do that, you participated in it. It's about as dumb as the whole planking thing was back a few years back when I was a lot Younger, but this whole trust fall, I'm just going to randomly walk up to somebody and say trust fall and fall over on top of them. It was the dumbest thing. But can I tell you, trust in and of itself isn't a dumb thing. To have trust is to hold a firm belief in the character strength or truth of someone. I need you to remember those things as we move forward tonight. To have trust is to hold a firm belief in the character strength or truth of someone. So trust as it pertains to our relationships is a necessary thing. But how many of you know that it's also a fragile thing? It can take years to build, and yet it can be shattered in a single moment, resulting in what I like to call trust trauma. And I believe that's why God placed this message in front of me tonight, because there's a lot of us here that are dealing with trust trauma. Someone hurt you, someone betrayed you, someone took advantage of you, someone abused you. It was completely unexpected, and you never even imagined in your wildest dreams that it would actually take place, but it did. And now your trust has been traumatized. And listen, trust traumatized becomes trust internalized. We pull our trust back into a safe place and keep it far out of everyone else's reach. What we don't always realize is that it's not just our face-to-face physical trust that gets damaged. It's the spillover that also oftentimes leads to our spiritual trust being damaged as well. So your traumatized trust in people then becomes a traumatized trust in God as well. And all of us have things in our lives that we need to be trusting God for, right? All of us have decisions that we face each and every day that we need to be trusting God for. All of us have strongholds that we battle that we need to trust God to deliver us from. All of us have careers that we need to trust God for to get us started in. All of us are, most of us are looking for spouses one day to spend the rest of our lives with that you need to be trusting God to send in your way. So we all have a various amount of things within our lives that we need to be trusting God for, but we're battling and we're struggling and we're fighting to do so because of the trauma that has taken place in our life that has crippled our trust, not just in the people around us, but the God above us and in us. That's why tonight we're going to talk and walk through some Trust therapy. Let's talk and walk through some trust therapy. And just to ease the tension a little bit, turn to somebody sitting next to you and tell them, welcome to therapy. Welcome to 
therapy. Everybody is welcome. I know y'all thought we came here for church tonight, but let's add in a little therapy session while we're here. It's not my desire to restore your trust in people. Let me say that again as we get going. It's not my desire to restore your trust in people. People will damage your trust from time to time. That's just the nature of life. So it's not my desire to try to restore your trust in people tonight. What we need to see again is that God is a safe and secure place for our trust to be deposited. And I believe that he desires to restore and strengthen some traumatized hearts by showing us some therapeutic truths. And the first one is this. Your first truth in your trust therapy session tonight is this, is that you can trust God's character in the midst of your circumstances. Psalm 56, let's go back to verse 1 for a moment. David says, be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? I don't want you to lose sight of the circumstances that David finds himself in. He's literally running for his life. He's living on the run, which means at this particular point in time, David would be what we consider homeless. Because he can't go back to the place that was his home because Saul is waiting in ambush on that place in case he were to show back up so that he could kill him. So David is literally living on the run. He's hiding in caves. He's constantly looking over his shoulders to see if someone is trying to sneak up behind him. Imagine living your life each and every day, waking up having to constantly look over your shoulder for fear that someone is going to sneak up behind you and quite literally, not figuratively, run a spear through your back to end your life. That's the kind of circumstances that David was living underneath. He says, man tramples on me. I'm attacked. I'm oppressed. And when David says these things, it's not just in some figurative language. It is literally what he is experiencing in his day-to-day life. And all of this is as a result of God's anointing on his life to make him the next king of Israel. So let me show you something. It would be very easy, tremendously easy, for David to look at the circumstances of his life and blame God for them. This wouldn't be happening to me, God, if you haven't made this anointing and this calling to rest upon my life. If you would have just left me alone in my pastures with my sheep, mind my own business, not having to deal with anybody else around me, but doing the job that I had been entrusted with by my father to watch over his sheep herds, I wouldn't be dealing with any of this stuff right now. I could have lived my life in peace and quiet and happiness, but instead you brought this calling, you brought this anointing upon my life, and because of that, I'm now homeless, I'm living on the run, I can barely scrape up any food or drink to make it through the next day, I'm living inside of wet, nasty, stinky, muddy caves, and I'm constantly looking over my shoulder to see if somebody's going to kill me. It would have been very easy for David at this point to blame God for the circumstances of his life, but as David assesses the situation, he doesn't blame God. What does he do? He cries out and asks God to be gracious to him. 
Be gracious to me, O God. That's an appeal to God's character, not an attack on it. And so often when the circumstances of our life become what we don't want them to be, we attack God's character instead of appealing to God's character. David makes an appeal to God's character, not an attack on it. Be gracious to me. You know why he could do that? Because David understood that the actions of people do not always reflect the desires of God. And what David saw as his need for the circumstance he was in was grace. God's favor towards the unworthy. David realizing that I don't deserve your help, God, but I need your help, God. And appealing to God's grace that in his word tells us that as a good and gracious God, he will give to us what we are unworthy of receiving. And so David uses that and says, I need something that I'm not worthy of receiving, and that is your grace. I need your grace to face the circumstances that I'm in. And so afterwards he states, I put my trust in you, God. I don't know the nature of your circumstances, past, present, or future. They may or may not include a health diagnosis, a divorce, tragic loss of a loved one, a house fire where you lost everything, a miscarriage, infertility, abuse emotionally or physically, a rejected application, desertion of friends or family, whatever it may be. All I know is that in those times, God can become an easy scapegoat for us to blame our circumstances on. And I'm not minimizing or downplaying the pain and the hurt and the anguish and the discouragement that you have been through or are currently going through. But can I give you an encouragement and a suggestion? It's time to stop blaming God with cause and start trusting God in his character. Take a step back and realize, just like David did in his life, that the actions of this fallen and broken world don't always reflect the desires of an almighty, just, and good God. That we can trust in his character, which David said is gracious, but it's also faithful. Deuteronomy 31 verse 8 says, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Psalm 119 verse 90 says, Your faithfulness endures to all generations. So God's character is gracious and it's faithful. But it's also just. Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 4, The rock, His work is perfect. For all His ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is He. So God's character is gracious, it's faithful, it's just, but it's also loving. Psalm 86 verse 15, But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. In the midst of my circumstances, I trust God's character because I know that He will give me grace in it. His faithful presence will be with me through it. His justice has a purpose for it, and His love will remain steadfast in spite of it. You can trust God's character in the midst of your circumstances. But you can also trust God's strength in the midst of your struggles. You can trust God's strength 
in the midst of your struggles. Go back to Psalm 56 with me for a moment in verse 5. David says, all day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are evil against me. They stir up strife and they lurk and they watch my steps as they have waited for my life. For their crime will they escape in wrath. Cast down the peoples, O God. And you have kept count of my tossings. You put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? A lot of the struggles that we fight are products of the circumstances we're in. And I don't know if you've ever taken the time to realize it or not, but a lot of the present struggles that you have in your life, I can promise you, are products of the present circumstances that life has placed you in. And David, in these verses, gets a lot more specific about his situation. He says, the enemy is always plotting against me. They're constantly watching. They're constantly waiting. They're constantly seeking an opportunity to destroy me. And listen to what he says in verse 8. He says, you have kept count of my tossings and put my tears in your bottle. David is struggling. He's having a rough time of it. I mean, picture the scene with me. God has anointed him to be the next king of Israel. In the process of that taking place, David was actually a heart player in King Saul's courts. And while he's sitting before King Saul one day playing the harp, Saul becomes just enraged over the fact that this young teenager has been anointed by God to be the next king. So he picks up his spear, hurls it at David while he's playing the harp, and it strikes the wall right beside his head. And since that moment on, David has lived his life running in fear and terror of Saul and his soldiers. He's hiding in enemy territory. He's hiding in caves. He's hiding in the wilderness, afraid and isolated, unable to show his face in public, for fear of being recognized, and he breaks down, just like any of us would. Have your struggles ever been so intense that it finally just got you to a point where you broke down? Where you literally just could not stand the weight of it any further? David breaks down and he is sobbing. Sobbing. Trying to understand, why is all of this happening to me? Why is all this taking place? I didn't ask for God to bring this upon my life. He just did it. I'm doing my best to serve him with a pure heart and with clean hands and to walk in a way that honors and glorifies and exalts him. Why is all this taking place? Why am I having to face all of this stuff? And some of you are carrying some heavy struggles in your life. You're struggling with anxiety. You're struggling with depression. You're struggling with an addiction of some sort. You're struggling with your battle in sexual purity. You're struggling with expectations people have projected upon you. You're struggling with your self-image. You're struggling with family division. You're struggling with the death of someone that has recently passed that you were close to. And you've lost track of the tears that you have cried in private when you've been able to have a moment to yourself where you can actually let your guard down and be vulnerable and break 
down. And it's become overwhelming, so much so because you think there is no way to get out from underneath the struggle that you are facing. David found this to be true just like you do. And here's what I need you to hear and see. You may have lost track of the tears, but God has kept count of every single one of them that has fallen in the midst of the course of a dark, lonely night when you were the only one in the space that you were in. God has seen every tear that has fallen from your face. He is not unaware. He is not ignorant of the struggles that His faithful people go through. That's why you can trust His strength in the midst of your struggles, though. The reason why you can trust His strength in the midst of your struggles is because He is aware. It's because He does see. It's because He knows that you're overwhelmed. It's because He knows that you've been broken down by the trials and the struggles of this life. Listen, Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Psalm 73 verse 26. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Isaiah 40, 29. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Psalm 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. He even invites us to entrust or to throw the weight of our struggles onto Him. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties or your struggles on Him. Why? Because He cares for you. God invites you to entrust Him, to throw your struggles on top of Him. And you may think, well, that sounds great, Trey. Thanks for all the proof text. I'm glad you went through the Bible and pulled out some verses about strength so that I can have that to face my struggles with. I've been there and I've done that. I've looked up those verses. I've read 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7 that says that I can cast or I can throw all my anxieties or struggles on Him because He cares for me. I've tried that, but I'm telling you that it's not working. Well, can I make a suggestion to you? It's probably because that you are telling God about your struggles. But telling doesn't necessarily translate into trusting. I'm trying to help some of y'all tonight because I'm telling you, you, you've overlooked this. You've read passages like 1 Peter chapter 5 and 6. And you think, okay, God wants me to tell him all my struggles. He wants me to, to tell him my anxieties. He wants me to tell him all the cares of this world that I'm going through. But you're missing it. You're telling God your struggles. But that doesn't mean you're trusting God with your struggles. That's why Peter says we cast our struggles. To cast means to throw, which entails letting go. Don't just tell God about your anxiety. Throw Him your anxiety. Don't just tell God about your depression. Throw Him your depression. Don't just tell God about your addiction. Throw Him your addiction. Throw Him your purity struggles. Throw Him your family strife that you're having to endure. Don't just tell Him about it. Throw it upon Him. When you let go, He lifts off. Setting you free from a weight you didn't have the power to move on your own. You can trust God's strength in the midst of your struggles. But then you can also trust God's word in the midst of your wonders. One last therapeutic truth to help you. Regain your trust, I hope. 
You can trust God's word in the midst of your wonders. Go back to Psalm 56 one last time, verse 9. David says, then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. And this I know that God is for me. In God whose word I praise. In the Lord whose word I praise. In God I trust I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Just like our circumstances produce struggles, our struggles often produce wonders. And I mean that in the sense of I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder how this is all going to work out. I wonder if things are going to be okay in the end. And David was no different. He had battles with his thoughts, drifting from scenario to scenario. I wonder what will happen if I'm caught. I wonder if maybe I shouldn't be the next anointed king. I wonder if they're going to go after my family in order to get to me. But as David sets his heart on God, he remembers and is assured of something. Listen to what he says. He says, this I know, that God is for me. In God whose word I praise. In the Lord whose word I praise. In the midst of his wonders, David sets his mind on God's word and finds assurance. What assurance did he find? That God is for those who trust in him. And that the promises of his word are unfailing and absolutely true. Listen, it's an interesting thing. When the mind, when your mind has no adequate place to place its trust, then things quickly turn into turmoil. That's why we must trust in God and his word. Isaiah 26, verse 3. Listen to this verse. God's word says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. When your mind has no adequate place to put its trust in, things can become turmoil in a hurry. God's exhortation to us is to keep our minds stayed on him. Which then follows as a result of our trust in him. I want to show you guys something. Take a look at the screens real quick. I want to show you a, a married couple that are friends of mine and Ashley's and several other people. In this room, this is John and Kenzie. And John and his family have a history of cancer. His mother, they found, actually 
had a hereditary condition that causes stomach cancer. And when they found that out, they began to screen the rest of the family members. And they found that John had the cancer existent in him as well. So they removed it from his stomach, and this was several years back. And everything's been fine since then. Here recently, John had been having some dizziness and balance issues. And so they went to the doctor, and they did a scan, and they found a tumor inside his ear canal pressing up against his brain, causing those issues. So they had to do the surgery, and that surgery was actually today. As they were getting ready and preparing to lead up to that surgery, they began to ask believers, of course, to unite and pray for John and pray that God's hand of healing would be upon his life and that God would do a work and that as a result of the surgery, he would be clear of the tumor but also not have any nerve damage because the doctor told him more than likely as a result of this operation, you will lose your hearing in that ear. And it is a possibility that you will lose some of your motor skills and some of the sensation in your face. So they went in and they did the surgery and Kenzie posted this on her Instagram and I want you to see what she wrote out. She says, there's not many words to accurately describe how I feel waiting so low for my husband to get brain surgery. But the peace God has given me is real and feeling him so near makes my heart full of hope. There will be hard days ahead for my John and in those days, We will both keep standing firm because we know we serve a mighty God who is for us and loves us. Thanks so much to so many of you that have prayed, sent encouragement of some kind, and even donated money to help us cover these expenses. It's cool to see gospel joining together always. My challenge is don't stop. Keep spending time with him and keep pursuing him. Our relationship with Jesus should have great moments even when tragedy and trials are not as present. And as I began to think about that today and the things that they were going through and knowing that John was having that surgery and Kenzie was sitting in the waiting room today as, our, as her husband was having brain surgery by herself because of the COVID regulations. Sitting in the waiting room while her husband is having what could be life-threatening brain surgery by herself because they wouldn't allow anybody else to come in because of the size regulations and the capacity limits. And I thought, man, what an amazing opportunity for Kenzie's mind to wonder all over the place about what could possibly happen to her surgery, which started a little after 4 or 5 a.m. and wrapped up a little after 6 p.m. this afternoon. Imagine the temptation for her mind to wander into all kinds of different places. What's going to happen? Is he going to be okay? Are the doctors going to come out and tell me that it went well or that he's gone? Is he going to be able to feel his face or not? Is he going to lose his hearing or is he going to keep it? Is God going to heal and restore completely or are we going to have a long road of recovery ahead of us? What an opportunity for her mind to wander all over the place. But what does she do? She focuses in and trusts on God's word. Look at what she says. We serve a mighty God who is for us. Psalm chapter 56, David says, As I consider my mind wonders, this I know, that God is for me. You know why Kenzie wrote that? Because she knows the word of God. 
and that God is for those who trust in Him. I just got word not too long ago, John's out of surgery. 99% of the tumor is gone. And as far as they know, as of right now, the after effects hopefully will be minimal. Serve a mighty God who is for us. You can trust God's word in the midst of your wonders. I know a lot of you have wonders of your own right now that are unique to your own lives, but you can trust God's word in the midst of those wonders. Remember I told you to trust was to do what? It was to hold a firm belief in the character, strength, or truth of someone. You can trust God's character. You can trust God's strength. And you can trust God's word, which is truth. And have you experienced some trust trauma in your life? Let Jesus restore it. Hey, this is Trey Mitchell, college and young adult pastor. I just wanted to say thank you for listening. It's our prayer that God uses these messages in a way that challenge and encourage you to live for His glory. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior, we would love to help you with making that decision. Just reach out to us through our webpage at underwoodbaptist.org. Be sure to check back in with us next week as we again encounter God through His Word here at Life.